Hello, this is Henry Lopez, co-host of The How of Business. Before we get started with this episode, I wanted to let you know about a great online event that I'm excited to be a part of. It's the Business Growth Online Bootcamp. It's all online and it starts today, January 30th, and goes through February 5th. It's not too late to join and there will be presentations all week. Over 35 different business experts will be presenting on a variety of subjects, including myself on the topic of customer service and Michael E. Gerber, the author of The E-Myth. The E-Myth is the most recommended book across all of the entrepreneurs we've had on our show. So Michael Gerber himself will be presenting as well. So if you're looking for ways to grow your business in 2017, then I highly recommend you attend this online event. You can register for free on our website at thehowofbusiness.com. Just go to thehowofbusiness.com and click on the Business Growth Online Bootcamp image towards the top of the page. It'll be very obvious when you get there. I look forward to having you join us at the Business Growth Online Bootcamp starting today. Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest with me today is Tony DiLorenzo. Tony, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Henry. Pleasure to have you. Uh, Tony is an entrepreneur. Uh, He owns multiple businesses, and he and his wife, Alyssa, are the hosts of a great podcast called The One Extraordinary Marriage Show. It's a podcast that provides an opportunity for you to get firsthand insights on what really happens day to day in a real marriage. And it's a great, insightful, educational show. Uh, his other businesses include The Dent Dude. We'll talk about that. That was the first real business that Tony started. It's a paintless dent repair and windshield repair business he started over 14 years ago. And also Fit Marriage and specifically the Thrive 90 Fitness Program. Uh, they're focused on helping busy couples achieve their fitness goals together. Tony lives in San Diego, in the San Diego area, rather, with his wife, Alyssa, and their two children. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about Tony's entrepreneurial journey, the experiences he he had there starting his first company. He's got a lot of insights on productivity and time management, so we're going to chat about that, hopefully. And then working in a business with your spouse, he's got, obviously, tremendous insights on that, and so we'd like to hear about that. And then just general tips and advice that he would be able to share on his success, his business success, and his personal life success. So once again, Tony DiLorenzo, welcome to the show. Thanks. And so I got it right, you're in the San Diego area, correct? Yep, we live right about 30 minutes out of downtown, a little northeast of downtown in a small community called Poway. Wonderful, wonderful. And I, I gathered in doing the research, you are a big-time cyclist, correct? I am. Started cycling when I was 14 years old oh, wow. in my hometown where I grew up, yep, and to this day, still do it. Not as much as I did back then and not as much as I've done in the past, but I still get on my bike at least two times a week. That's great. Yeah, that's what I try to do. I'm a cyclist as well, but nowhere near awesome. the kind of mileage you ride. <laughs> so, 
Uh, but uh, I, I, I love it. I enjoy it. There's so much that that I think is analogous with business, right? Mm -hmm. The mental aspects of it anyway. David, my partner, David Begin and I have chatted about it in previous episodes. It's, there's so much that you can pull from it that's mental about the whole process. Would you agree with that? Oh, totally. And then there's the other side of it that I get on my bike to just relax mm -hmm. and not think about anything. But yeah, there's there's a ton, especially you know if, if you're going after a big events, a, a century, a double century, um, things of that nature. I mean, you definitely need to put into play some strategic planning and goal setting to achieve those goals. Yeah. And just, I ride in groups cause I'm afraid to ride by myself. I, I understand you do a lot of riding by yourself though. Is that right? Yeah. Primarily I ride by myself now Okay, I, because it, and it's more of a, you know, you talked about productivity, mm -hmm. um, and time management. One of the things I found with group stuff and even, even you know, meetings and, and that sort of things in business, man, oh man, it just takes a ton of time to try to figure everything out. And where are we meeting? What, what time are we leaving? With me being able to roll by myself, um, we sort of joked a little bit before we even got on about, you know, am I an early morning person or you? And there are days when I am, there are days when I'm not. And for myself, if I get up at 6 a.m. and I'm on my bike at 6.15, great. I didn't have to worry about anybody, you know, waiting for me or are they running late, this, that, and the other. Yeah, and the traffic is not as bad also. All right, so. Well, yeah, here in San Diego, yes, I want to get up and out as early as I can. That's right. So where did you grow up? In a small town called Banning, 30 minutes west of Palm Springs here in Southern California. So how did you end up at CU Boulder then for school? Oh, so Banning's a small town. My graduating class was about 150 students. Wow. And I knew as a high schooler wanting to go explore the world that I didn't want to stay in California. Uh, I had done a ton of riding through Colorado. My mentor, the, the guy who got me into cycling, he had gone to CU Boulder in their engineering department many, many years earlier. And I just fell in love with Colorado riding through it that I was going to go there. And that's how I ended up there. I wanted to go into the business school. Got accepted just under their open, uh, I, I forget what it was even called back then, but it was just basically an open major and worked my way into getting into the business school there. That's fantastic. My my business partner, David Begin, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, both of his sons and his youngest is still there at Leeds and will oh. be finishing up this year. So, And then their nice. oldest son graduated from engineering school and lives in Boulder still. Yeah, very, very That's familiar. Awesome. Yeah, very familiar. Go Buffs. Campus. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, my daughter almost went there. It was on her short list. She's at Indiana, but it was uh, definitely on the short list. Anyway, That's so awesome. you studied uh, business and marketing, as you said. So what, what yeah. were your plans? What did you think you wanted to do career-wise or life-wise after you got out of school? All right, so let's just put this in context for everybody. I graduated high school in 91. I was there from 91 to 95. Advent of the internet was just coming on board. I remember the days of sitting in our computer lab using the .edu system to chat back and forth or email back and forth to folks. Nextel, for those of you who remember Nextel, that was big and coming up out in, in the Denver, Boulder area. So I saw, I saw myself really going into sales and in sales of, you know, back then, I'm trying to think of someone like Eli Lilly. I'm trying to think some of the, the bigger accounting firms 
and financial services, and I can't think off the top of my mind. But that's where I was headed. Sure, Arthur Anderson, the, some of those bigger firms. Right? Yeah, exactly. And in all honesty, as I was getting closer to graduating, I realized that I didn't want to sit in a big corporate office. I had done some, I applied for some internships, looked around, saw some of my buddies who were a year or two years ahead of me and realized at that point in time that I for sure wasn't going to be working at a large company. Didn't like the feel of it, didn't like the flow of it. So that sort of took everything that I was studying and put it on its head a little bit for me. So that you, did you would you consider that at that point in time as you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur or was it confusing? How clear was it what you really wanted to do instead of going into the corporate world? Yeah, it, it was it was a definitely a time of like what else is out there. My dad immigrated to this country, a general contractor, a plumber by trade. So I saw an entrepreneur growing up and loved his tenacity. Unfortunately, as a as a kid growing up in America to an immigrant, he was very much into the you need to have an education and you need to work for the corporate man. Right. Very interesting. So I had this dichotomy that, you know, growing up, going through college of like, do I work for this large company or do I look at something else? And it was at that time that I decided I was like, you know what, I'm going to just I'm going to learn and see what it is to just work for myself. I got into direct sales right there, even towards the end of my college career, you know, because I didn't know, you know, we didn't have access like we do now. I, I didn't understand it. I didn't know where I wanted to go. And so got into some direct sales, which was really, really tough for me. Man, was that tough, scary, not something that I really enjoyed. And in, in, in all honesty, I, I lasted maybe a, a couple of months, a few months, really hustling it, trying to do it. And I bailed on it. And that was uh, that was an interesting time as well because after that, what do you do? Yeah. And, and and so what did you do after that? So Elisa and I, we had met at, at Colorado, and we decided to take about six months and just sort of drive the country a little bit. And we ended up in the Midwest, hung out with her folks for a little bit, doing, again, some direct sales stuff, and then eventually ended up back here in California where I just was like, hey, Dad, I need something to do. And he gave me a job working with him for a little while. Interesting. And yeah, that, mm -hmm. that whole immigrant story obviously resonates with me. I'm the son of immigrants as well. And like you said, it's that mixed message. They, what we saw from them is this resourcefulness, this ability to just create something out of nothing, which is that entrepreneurial spirit. But at the same time, what they wanted for us, for us to go that traditional quote unquote, safe route of get an education, get a career, right? And so mm -hmm. you were trying to balance that. All right, so you worked with him, and that um, was that uh, like hard work, like physical work, or was it in his office? Tell, tell me about that. No, it was physical. Yeah. You know, again, plumber and, and general contractor. So at the time, Elisa found work more in the corporate world, and then I went to work with him, just trying to figure out what to do. There had always been talk of, even as a as a kid, because I'd worked with him throughout my junior high and high school years of possibly working college, looking at the construction business, you know, he kept bringing it up. And, and honestly, I had no desire mm -hmm. at all. So for me to work just manual labor, 21, 22 years old, no big deal. And just realized, Hey, you know what? This is just sort of a stopgap. Let me get to the next thing. And so after many discussions with him, 
I just realized I was like, dad, there's nothing here for me. Yeah. I appreciate you giving me the work at this time, but I'm going to go look for some other stuff. And so went out and found a sales job in the Palm Springs, Palm Desert area here in, in Southern California. So you kept coming back to sales, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. why, why is that, you think? Oh, gosh, because I knew even going through college, I mean, sales is where the money was at. Right. If you, if you wanted to generate income, you had to be in sales. And, and it was tough for me because I felt inadequate, undertrained most of the time. Again, 22, 23 years old, 24 years old. But I always knew that, man, if I could just learn how to build relationships and then sell a product or service, that's where I wanted to be. Yeah. yeah, I think it I was in sales as well. And I think it appeals to us who have that entrepreneurial bent, but just don't know how to get there yet because there's that upside. And so that's very entrepreneurial that a lot of mm -hmm. it is what we make of it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and again, it goes back to, you know, towards the end of my college years that I saw my buddies just sitting in IT departments, mm -hmm. punching on buttons. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. That no. drive me nuts. Yeah. No, I can imagine. <laughs> All right, so bring us to the dent dude and that how that came about and how you went into that business. Yeah, so this is this is, you know, the last 17 years of my life I've been I've been doing paintless dent repair. And I was 24 and my buddy who got me into cycling, there was another friend of ours uh, who's about 10 years older than me, Jim, and he started a business called Dentology and it was booming. So my buddy Joe who got me into writing, calls me and goes, Tony, you got to check this out. It's unbelievable. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll make it up there. His headquarters was here in Fontana. And I was like, yeah, let me go. So I came on up, checked it out. And I was like, this is amazing. And 17 years ago, painless dent repair is pretty new. It's been around for about 25, 30 years at this point in time. Um, rudimentary at the first five to seven years. And so I was like, yeah, that, that looks pretty cool. And Jim was offering at the time a three-year contract and he would pay you for six months of training. And I thought to myself, I'm like, well, you know, guys in this industry are, are cranking six figures once they get really good at it. And I was at a, a crossroads again of like, here I'm doing all this sales work, but it's not really panning out. I know how to work with my hands and I'm okay doing that, having done that work with my dad. And I didn't feel above it because I had gone to college. And so after pestering Jim for about six months, he finally hired me on. And I went through his training program and then worked for him in, and completed my contract with him for three years. And, and, and I get it right, you were doing sales for him or did you also, were you no, also doing the repairs? I was doing the repairs. Okay. I actually learned the repair process of it. That was my main, I was a technician. Okay. And so then after that, you decided to start your own business? Yeah. So there was a, there was a little time in between. Um, I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail from Mexico to Canada. Wow. I was 27 years old and I felt like, man, if this is all that life has to offer is me getting up early in the morning and working for somebody and dealing with a bunch of guys that are driving me nuts, uh, I need a break. And so in 2000, I took off six months stepped on, touched the, touched the wall in Mexico and hiked for four and a half months to Canada on the Pacific Crest Trail. Wow. And uh, that was, that was by yourself. I started by myself. Yep. Uh, Elisa at the time we were married three years and she didn't want to come along. So she decided to, to stay back. 
and be support. And she came out a couple of times on the trail and, and hung out with me. But I, I started by myself and then met other guys along the way. Is there one or two things that stands out from that experience that you think you still benefit from to this day? Oh, gosh, yeah. There, it, 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 life in entrepreneurship is a journey. Like every day I got up and I hiked 20 miles a day. That was my average. And I never knew what was around the next bend. I never knew what was up, you know, the next ridge or down the next valley. But no matter if, I, as long as I kept getting up each and every day, I was going to make progress. And uh, that's something that I've learned a lot. And then also being able to look back and realize the accomplishments. Because so often as an entrepreneur, sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves and we, we don't really, we don't celebrate those accomplishments. You know, we hit them and then we're off to the next thing. And I just remember one time just sitting on a, on a pass and I forget which pass it was, but we were up in the Sierra Nevadas. And I remember just sitting on this pass and it'd been a long day and we still had more to go. But I remember just standing there looking around me, just going, wow, we've come so far and yet we still have a lot to go, but I'm going to enjoy this moment right now. And, uh, that was, that was, yeah, it was, it was transformational and still something after 16 years is still near and dear to my heart. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. That's such insights there. And, and then translates to exactly like you said to the entrepreneurial journey. I love that. All right. So then take us to starting uh, your business. Yeah. So then Elise and I had, um, I had actually taken on another job in the paintless dent repair world with a company up in Washington state. We moved out of California after about a year and a half up there in snow and cold weather, I was like, we need to get out of there. And so we rolled back here to Southern California, ended up in San Diego. And my first inclination is that I had at the time a newborn child. And I was like, I just need to find some work. So I found another company to work for down here in the paintless dent repair world. A newer company, a startup, looked fun. And so I started working with them and about six months in, I noticed some things were going on. Like they just weren't running the company like it should. There's a lot of disgruntled employees. They're, they're talking about money flow, cash flow wasn't good. And so I told Elisa one day and Alex was a year old and I looked at her and I said, listen, either we're going to sit with this ship and sink or we jump. And I remember it was December, it was towards the end of December. And that had to be, a, let's see, we're in 16, so that's 2002, 2003. So we either either sink or we jump. And she's like, let's jump. And right there at that time, that's where, like, all my sales work that I had been going after, all the hard work that I, I had learned after college all came to fruition. It mm-hmm. just, boom, I was just like, okay, I know what I need to do. I know my trade. I know who I need to to contact. And I just went after it, you know, started making contacts with dealerships, making contacts with auto auctions, body shops, you know, whoever I could, and then began to reach out into the retail market, the private party market, and started growing the dent dude at that time. And did you start with a brick and mortar location? Or was it a mobile business? Uh, What was the startup? What did it look like? 
it has always been a mobile business. I One see. of the things I love about this trade and have is the low overhead. And I've always been one, if I can keep my costs down, my operating expenses down and in control, we can have profits and we can have money to spend. And so my thing, even with one extraordinary marriage, I mean, right now we're, we're crunching numbers and everything. It's like, how do we keep those operating expenses down? And so the Dent Dude has always been a vehicle, my tools and you know my computer. And so how many vehicles are we talking about now? That I work on? No, that you have out there. Oh, oh out there? No, it's, it, it's just me. It's just still one vehicle. And yep. so how, what is your role? Are you still actively working that business? Yep, okay. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in the process of selling it. Um, oh, I've had a couple of meetings with uh, some guys. So we're in that process right now of an exit plan and strategy. Okay. Is it just, it's time. I'm sure there's a lot of reasons, but part of it sometimes, at least for me, when I sold my last business, there's just timing and there's a lot of things that come into play, but I'm assuming you're ready to, for a different challenge and to move on to something else in part. Yeah, totally. It's, you know, 17 years of doing it in all honesty, Henry, I made it into a lifestyle business. So we hear a lot of folks all t talk about lifestyle independence or, you know, they want to, you know, they want to, what is it? They travel the world. That's their lifestyle. I've made it so that I can work 30 hours a week less. That's fantastic. And, 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 and enjoy it. And so one of my things with business too, especially in the service world, I think a lot of folks, depending on what they're doing, they want to start growing. They want to have trucks. They want to have all that. And yet they don't realize that they don't have the infrastructure set up. They don't have the pricing set up. And if, if you don't have those and you don't have something that's easily trainable, like painless dent repair takes skill, time, and a ton of learning to get really good. And so to train gets hard. So to that end, I was going to ask, you took the approach of working for someone else, a couple other people in this business, and then started your business. I'm sure you get asked that, that general question by other people when they're looking to start a business. Is that an approach that you recommend to people that they become part of that industry, work in it, learn it first, and then start a business in that particular industry? It depends on, obviously it's gonna depend on the industry, right? I mean, for me, at the time, 17 years ago, th this was the only way I was gonna get into it. Now you can find trainers who will train you and you can turn around, do some training with them and then come out. Um, and yet, you know what, there's something to be said to be in the industry, working in the industry, getting your feet wet, knowing what to, what to expect, and then launch. Because when I launched, I already had contacts. I already had people I knew. I already understood my business, my trade. And that way, when I did launch, we were successful from day one. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the key component. When you think back now, though, early on, what were one or two of those big challenges maybe that you didn't expect? You know, the the big challenge, even to this day sometimes is, for me, because I'm a owner-operator, is how much business do you get when you're slow, knowing that you're going to get busy again? Because business runs in cycles. There are cycles that each of us have in our industries, in our, in our businesses, and you need to know them. And so early on, when I would get slow, I would go out and try to get more work. And that's great. And yet when everybody's calling on you two weeks from now and you can't service everybody, that's, that's a struggle because you're trying to take care of everybody and yet you can't. Yeah. 
So over the years, I just learned it's like, hey, if I get a little slow, it's okay. Now with one extraordinary marriage, it's actually really okay, because <laughs> um, I can I can fill that in, and you know, just just realizing cycles. Don't freak out. My dad always used to tell me, he's like, Tone, um, it's not what you made today or this week or this month. It's what you made over the course of the year. Yeah. And so a lot of times I would be very focused in on, well, I didn't make my nut today or I didn't make my goal today or I didn't hit my goal this month. And yet next month and the previous month, we killed it. So I had, I had to remember that and, and continue at this, even today, sometimes just be like, it's okay. There's cycles. It'll come. So that leads to my, my next series of questions, which have to do with productivity and time management. You've learned a lot about having to be productive and manage your time effectively. You're an owner operator. You've got another business that you're building. You're balancing all of that, balancing family. Share with us some of your key productivity and time management tips, if you would. Wow. Yeah, I, I still am working on that. And <laughs> As, as we all are, right? I, th well, I think yeah, it's a progression. I, I think we evolve and we get better and better and better. At least that's been my experience. Right. So on the dent dude side, one thing I learned some years ago, and I don't know what it was, but I just began to schedule my my days out with jobs at 9, 11, 1, and 3. So there are four time slots in a day for me that I'm pretty much scheduling clients. Um and that helped tremendously because I began to take control over my calendar a little bit more than my clients just saying, well, come over at 7 a.m. or I'll be here at 8 or just be here at 10. And, and my, my days and my weeks just got really flustered. Um, so on the Dent Dude side, once I just said, hey, these are my time slots, 9, 11, 1, and 3. What, what works best for you? Now, if somebody says, hey, can we do 3.30? Yeah, it, that's okay. Um, but doing that alone just really allowed me to go, okay, this is where I'm going to be from, you know, nine to 1030, boom, be productive as I can move to my next one. Um, so that's that world. It's, that's changed a bit as one has increased, um, because now I don't even start my day with the dent dude until 11 o'clock. Um, and sometimes even later, just depending on what we're doing here at one extraordinary marriage. And so um, productivity for one is a, is a bit tougher because we have a lot of moving parts going on. Mm -hmm. And, um, so one of the things I, I tend to do there is early in the morning, I'll get up. That's sort of my writing time. I'll check everything and uh, I'll get, you know, emails prepared. You know, if I'm looking at articles that need to get done. Um, so the one thing that I'm working on now and really trying to, to implement is, 30 minute to one hour chunks. Everything is in 30 minute to one hour chunks. That way, focus for 30 minutes, move on to something else. Focus for 30 minutes, move on to something else. And when you're and in those being... chunks of time, uh, tell me about how, what you do then. Is, is, is email turned off? Is the phone turned off? How, how structured is that? Are those blocks of time? Email tabs are closed, for sure. Phone is still on because I am also fielding calls for the dent dude. So though that tends to get a little funky right now. So if that, so if the phone does ring um, and it's a client, I will answer it. So it's not perfect just yet because I am in between those two on Saturdays. Like I love taking some time on a Saturday and working because really the phone does get turned off at that point in time. Email tabs are closed 
and I can really focus in. Elisa, on the other hand, you know, she, she just got done writing our fifth book. And one of her big things was she would get up in the morning. Uh, she'd be out the door at 6 a.m. And this is during the summer months while the kids were home and home and all. Um, but she would take off for probably like two hours and then just go to a Starbucks. And she knew she had the goal of one to, I think it was one to 2,000 words completed. And so that's what she would do. And so that this approach that you're working on on time blocking that helps you mentally juggle all these different things. You've got two different businesses and family, and that's how you keep it. So you can keep your focus on one thing at a time. Yeah. And so here at one, we also have I have a VA, um, we have an executive assistant, and then I have a part time marketing strategist on the on the company books. So. Yeah, I mean, there are just times when I'm just trying to go, okay, what what's everybody asking me? Like, there, there are times when it's just like 30 minutes. Okay, let me make sure I'm answering everybody's questions, making sure everybody knows what they need to be doing today, where they're headed, and then it's go time. Because we're, we're setting up systems and funnels, and the way one is set up is that I handle all the back end, you know, and then Elisa does a majority of our content creation. Okay. You work with a lot of married couples. Obviously, we'll segue into that a little bit more, what you do with one extraordinary marriage. Is there something that stands out from a time management or productivity that, that you find that people are consistently challenged with in managing their time or in being more productive? Oh, I think it's just being intentional about it. There's no intentionality about it. People just figure things are going to work and then they don't. And I've been there too. And it's just because we're not intentional about our time. That's why I began to look at these time blocks as a way for me to go, what do I need to get done? Like right now um, on my plate, we have a free book offer that we want to get out there. And if I just say, hey, I want to get this free book offer out there, it's never going to happen unless I am intentional about chunking some time and putting forth the effort to it. So same thing with marriages. And we talk to couples all the time. They, they're complaining that they're not doing anything together or they're not you know, enjoying date nights or quality time together. Well, when was the last time you put your spouse on the calendar? Well, we haven't done that. Well, you may want to. Elisa and I are very intentional. Two times a week, we go for a walk together. Guess what? Those two times a week are on our calendar. It may be at eight o'clock at night on a Tuesday, or 5.30 in the morning on a Friday morning, and yet we make sure that they're on the calendar because it's something that we value and we get it, we get it in. System-wise, do you tend to schedule like for the week or is that on a daily basis? Do you guys have like a shared calendar? Just give me a little bit more about the systems you use to keep yourself uh, scheduled and productive. Yeah, so once a week, on a personal note, on the personal side, Elisa and I do a coffee break and that's about an hour long time slot that we take for each other. We have about 19 or 20 questions we go over. Um, some of it, it, some of it flows into business because, uh, some of the earlier questions are like, are there any trips planned? You know, some, so like, you know, are we taking off for a conference? Is there, you know, a fun personal trip coming up for one of us or both of us? What, what are we doing? So there's a little bit of, um, 
a flow between the two. But we spend an hour together, and it's at that time that we're looking over our calendars. What are, what are our kids doing over the week? And we have our calendars. Um, Elisa's electronic. I'm still on paper, um, even though all my stuff goes onto my Google Calendar. I still like having a physical calendar. Um, my executive assistant, she goes crazy because she doesn't see stuff on our <laughs> on our Google Calendar, and she's always she's always getting on me to update it. Yeah. And uh, but this hour this hour once a week, honestly, is like money in the bank. It, it's it's unbelievable what happens when you're able to do that with your spouse. And you don't even have, to, I mean, it could be between, you know, you both have jobs or one of you is an entrepreneur and one of you has a job, but you're still living in the same household. You need to know where, I need to know that my, my son has, you know, football like this week. Uh, it was football Tuesday and Wednesday. Well, it's typically Mondays and Tuesdays. And so, okay, well, do you have a coaching call? What nights do you, you know, and she'll look on her calendar and go, hey, I got coaching on, um, you know, Tuesday night. I need you to make sure that you pick up Alex. Okay, it's on my calendar. So, and then for me personally, I have a calendar that I look at uh, the night before, setting the intention for what I'm going to do the next day. So that type of intentional communication obviously has been key to your success in working together with your spouse in a business. Other tips and advice that you can share for people who are contemplating that or are doing it now, working with their spouse and how to do that effectively? Yeah. Know that you're going to have some ups and downs along the way. Elisa and I didn't just come to this, you know, like, oh, hey, this is, works perfect for us. We've been working together with One Extraordinary Marriage for almost seven years now. And for the early part of it, we struggled. Like, we really struggled. Like, what are we doing? And it was about three years ago that I began to look at, okay, what does Elisa do really well like where is she just awesome and shines and what do i do and it was at that point that we we finally started going okay you do this piece of it i'm going to do this piece of it which is basically we were sitting in our we, we were in our not our comfort zone but we were in our space that we just enjoyed she enjoys writing content and being creative in that area not to say that i don't I still do that and I, I still come up with ideas for, for different show topics and all of that, but she shines there. And where I shine is on the back end. I shine at you know, developing lead magnet, marketing strategies, dealing with our funnel setups, you know? And that was something that is just something that I fell into a little bit. It's almost like that technical, that technician side of me came out because it's just, it's just different than doing paintless dent repair. And so you've had those conversations, you've kind of agreed that you do this, I do that, you specialize in this, I specialize in that. But, but Tony, and, and I've gotten that advice before, and it's, it's great advice, I try to do that, we take that same approach, my spouse and I. But what happens with, and I'm sure you've worked with married couples, where there's overlap, or the thing you do well, you both do well. What's, your, what's been your advice for couples when that's the case? You're both the writers, so how do you... How do you work together when that's the case, when there isn't that clear delineation? Mm. So Elisa and I have written four books together, so I totally get that. And what we've had to do is just determine, okay, how's that process going to work? Like, do we each write different sections of the book? Does one start the book? 
Um, the second one, edit, go in, add their voice to the book. Um, we've done both of those ways. There was a time where we both felt like with the podcast, we, we both had to have, you know, our show be the next show. And we had to discuss like, what is the best? I think it's sometimes we got to, we got to step back and go, okay, we can both do this. Well, what is this project we're working on right now? Who does it, who does it fit best and where are we most productive? Because we're, we're not going to gain anything if we're fighting against each other. We're on the same team, right? I mean, that's something that we even tell our couples all the time. You're on the same team. So let's, let's play together. My boy plays football. You know, it, it would be, do him no good to fight against his lineman when he's at D-end or linebacker. You know, they're on the same team. Their desire and their main goal is to get the quarterback. Same with us. We're on the same team. Let's look at the problem and let's address the problem together and come up with a solution that best fits us. And sometimes that means, hey, we got to humble ourselves and we got to put our ego in check. Like we do. And so many people are like, well, I'm I'm just good at this. So that's all I'm going to do. Well, okay. What is that going to get you? And and I think that's where I am. I'm almost, we're going to be married 20 years here soon. So I used to be hard-headed and egotistical at times, a lot of the times, at least I would tell you probably. <laughs> and I just realized that, man, I, I don't always have to be right, and I don't always have to be the one who has to get everything done. Yeah. You know, maybe right now I just need to take a step back and just go for it, hon. I mean... And, that, and isn't that sometimes it's also a, a relief that, hey, I have someone else I trust who's my partner who's who's got this also, Right. I think oh, we, totally. we, we, we tend to want to be the hero at all times. And it's great when you realize that you've got this other person that you respect and can do, can do some of it as well. Yeah. It, it, and that is so it, right? Like I fully 100% trust Elisa. I know her, her intent, her vision, her, her passion for, for the couples we serve. So I have nothing to worry about. Go write your book. I mean, she just, she honestly, our fifth book, well, it won't be our fifth book. It's going to be hers. It'll have her name on it, not mine on this one. But I know when I begin to read that book, it's going to be awesome because we're going after the same thing, and that is to impact marriages. And so I fully and 100% just trust her. It's like, okay, go for it. Now, do we get in discussions and heated discussions at time and how things should be? Sure. That's business. Um, I would say the toughest thing as a couple who runs a business together, which is even harder than, hey, this is my passion and this is where I really fit in. This is where I shine. I think the harder part is how do you delineate business from a relationship? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Because those two things, they're, they just seem to seep into, you know, business just seems to seep into everything. And be it a date night, be it on a walk. Um, I catch myself time and time again. Oh, well, this needs to happen with the business. Oh, the, and I have to remind myself, it's like, we're not married just to be in business. So for me and, and us in particular is how do we get away from just talking about the business when we're out? You know, how do we get back to just Tony and Elisa, husband and wife, you know, 
two kids who fell in love, who, who want to be more in love now than when we first met. And we want to be more in love when our kids leave than we're, we are now. Cause that's not going to happen if every time I go out and we're talking about business. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful insights. And I know these are just some of the topics that you cover in the show. One extraordinary marriage. Uh, so I want to ask you about what you think have been some of the keys to your success in business and in life. And in the time we've spent together here, one thing that stood out to me was your ability for introspection even early in life. That's that's not common. And I have to believe that's been part of your ability to have success in life and in business is that ability to stop and look at what's going on and take in the bigger picture. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, totally. You got you got to have that big vision and yet at the same time still enjoy your life where you're at now. Right? Like got to you got to stop. And uh, that's where cycling comes in, Henry. Yeah, I was just right? thinking, I was just thinking that. I was that picturing <laughs> you on a cycle on a bike and just enjoying the experience, that moment, right? right? But, and part right. of it is because you you have to concentrate or you will kill yourself and so that forces you to be in the moment. Right. And one of my big goals, I, I took some time off the bike and, and I think many of us as entrepreneurs can, can relate to this is that there are times when your businesses just don't go well. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And things happen and you sort of retreat and, and I've been there, I've done that. Um, same thing happened with my cycling and I had a buddy who got killed. I had another buddy who got hit. I had another buddy, uh, of a buddy who got, uh, severely injured. Um, and so I took a, took a step back from cycling and just like in business, sometimes you're gun shy to get back up on the saddle. Well, I got back up on the saddle and you talk about that in that focus. Well, just like in business, you guys stay focused. I, I'm getting back on my bike and I'm riding and I'm riding, I'm riding. One of my big goals is to hit a max of 50 miles an hour, Wow. Um, which I've done before. Um, but sometimes if you're not focused enough, and this is where I really, really train hard on my bike to understand and bring that back into business is that you have to be seriously focused on what you're doing and where I'm riding and how I'm taking my line to hit 50 miles an hour. Because if you're not focused and I haven't been at times, I'm coming down this awesome hill we have here by our house. Um, and man, in an instant, boom, something goes through my mind and and I'm up and I'm, I'm at like 48 miles an hour and then I'm boom, I, I've lost it. And I'm back down to 35. Interesting. And so, yeah, being, having to be focused on those goals and that long-term, you know, the long-term vision is, is vital for me. I love, I, I found myself as a, I'm not a serial entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur who finds something that I love and I, and I do it and I do it to the best of my ability and then continue to, to exceed in that area. Wonderful. Well said. Great insights. All right, we'll start to wrap it up. But if you could summarize for us, uh, especially now with the one extraordinary marriage, obviously, it's a podcast, but just summarize for us the other services and how you engage with clients. Yeah, so we have coaching services. Uh, that's all done with Elisa. Um, so we have clients from all over the world. She uses the uh, Zoom platform, which is awesome for anybody out there who does meetings, coaching, webinars. Highly recommend that. Um, so we began doing that a few years ago now, and um, it's a big part of our business. We've written four books from Seven Days of Sex Challenge to The Trust Factor. 
Our first book was called Strip Down, 13 Keys to Unlocking Intimacy in Your Marriage. We have other core offer products, which would be he zigs, she zags. That's all about communication, the trust factor. You know, so we, we engage our folks in different ways and different price points. You know, as a, as a business, one thing I learned was that not everybody's going to do coaching. It's not for everybody, but, you know, pick up our book, Seven Days of Sex Challenge, and that could be the impetus, the, the starting point, the, the, the place where it honestly changes a marriage from ho-hum to this is amazing. And I've seen it and I've heard it. I mean, this week alone, we got two emails from couples who completed the seven days of sex challenge, just raving about it. So we have those and, and we just, we just have a very wide range of products and services for folks. And the books are available where? Books are available on Amazon. You can search any of those. You can also go to oneextraordinarymarriage.com. Up on the right-hand corner, you'll see our little cart, and you can jump into our store and check out everything there as well. Fantastic. So in addition to those books, is there a book, whether on business or on any subject, that you've read either recently or in the past that you would recommend to our audience? The book that I'm, I've read and I'm reading again, and I love it, is called Profit First. It's a, a simple system, and I'm reading this right off of Amazon, a simple system to transform any business from a cash-eating monster to a money-making machine, and I love it. Because I think for a lot of us entrepreneurs, we're into our passion. We love what we're doing. The money's coming in. We don't know where the money's going, so we're working, we're working, we're working for a paycheck, which we could get from somebody else, which would be easier, less time, less stress. But what I'm realizing as I grow as an entrepreneur is that my business, even though it's private, needs to be treated just like it's a public company. And a public company, what they're doing is they're, they want profits. That's where they make money. That's what their shareholders want. And as I go forward in my businesses, I'm looking at my businesses as being profit-making machines yeah. because that's what I want to pull out. That's what I want to pull, not just making a paycheck month after month. So – this book just blew my mind. I picked it up probably about, I want to say three, four months ago now, maybe three months ago. Fantastic. Thanks for that recommendation. Yeah. I'll have to read that. And uh, so we'll have a link to that as well as your books in the show notes page for this episode. And you can find that at thehowofbusiness.com. Great, Tony. So uh, as we wrap this up, last parting piece of advice to our audience. Have your vision. And no matter what anybody says, no matter what's going on, stick to it. Get up every day and hike your 20 miles because you don't know what's around the next bend. You don't know what's going to happen. But if you don't get up, if you don't hike those 20 miles, you're never going to see what's ahead of you. I love that. And where would you like our listeners to go to find out more about you and your businesses? Hey, if you're interested in our podcast, anything in the marriage world, just go to oneextraordinarymarriage.com. If you're in the service world and you're interested in service and, and how I built the Dent Dude, I have a simple website there. Just go to thedentdude.com. But it's that's that's a perfect place just to see what I do for, for that business. Fantastic. And we'll have links to those sites as well in the show notes page at thehowofbusiness.com. Tony, it's been very interesting chatting with you today. Thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. Thank you so much, Henry. It's been great. I appreciate it. Our pleasure. 
Folks, this is Henry Lopez. You've been listening to The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you join us on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.